You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, sitting finally in our brand new little studio setup. Got uh, a lot of stuff still to do, but we're making progress. Um, so delighted to kind of share with you guys the bare walls at first, uh, but we're getting there. Don't worry. Plenty of uh, upgrades coming over the course of the next few days. And so we're ready and prepared for next season, which is going to be a huge season for Arsenal Football Club. Speaking of huge, the latest reports this afternoon claim that Arsenal have had a huge offer for Brighton and Hove Albion's Ben White accepted, rumoured to be around about £50 million. Now, we know that Arsenal had an initial bid of £40 million turned down. We know that Arsenal uh, were willing to pay that plus £5 million in add-ons initially, and that Brighton wanted a deal that was around about the £50 million mark um, with everything added in. So it's not clear if this bid is £50 million straight up or if it's £45 million plus £5 million in add-ons or whatever uh, the kind of uh, setup of the deal is. We're not 100% sure, but these are reports doing the round this, this afternoon. Now, I have to say, everything we talk about during transfer silly season is based on reports from outside sources, right? So there is a chance that it may not necessarily be 100% accurate. Um, and I would probably wait to hear it from one of the more credible sources before we're sort of jumping up and down. But by all accounts, Arsenal are leading the race for Ben White, who is also attracting interest from a number of other top Premier League clubs. So, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this one for a while now. We've been talking about this one for the best part of a few weeks. You know, everybody's been talking about uh, Ben White. I think the initial sort of interest in Ben White came as a big surprise to everybody. I think that's because when you looked at the team that we had, um, and you looked at what we did last season, how everything went last season. Centre-back isn't necessarily the area, I think, that many of us would feel should be Arsenal's number one priority. I think the fact that William Saliba is headed for the exit door maybe changes that. And I think, you know, now that I'm kind of looking at the, the wider picture and you think that we had Saliba out on loan, we had Mavropanos out on loan, and the fact that both of those players are going to leave the club, one already has and one is headed for the exit, um, it feels like we, you know, we probably do need to bring in a centre-back, but we need to bring in a centre-back who is ready to come and walk into the side now because the centre-back that we've lost this season um, in David Luiz, yes, he divided opinion. Yes, some Arsenal fans were, were huge fans of his and others were a little bit sceptical. Others were a little bit sort of concerned by the errors that he'd made quite frequently throughout his career, not just at Arsenal, but even prior to that. Um, but the reality is he was, for me, last season, Arsenal's best central defender and we've lost him. And so if you don't feel that William Saliba is ready to come back to Arsenal, earn a place in the starting eleven, be a regular and partner Gabriel, who I envisage being the one that Mikel Arteta sees 
as the first choice at left centre back, then you have to make a decision. You have to go out there. You have to invest. You have to bring somebody in. And Arsenal clearly feel that Ben White is the man to come in and do that. So just a quick reminder of where we're at on the Ben White story. So according to reports, Arsenal are still leading the race with Ben White because if you remember, there was interest reported from Everton and Manchester City last week, which caused a lot of Arsenal fans to worry and to panic because many people felt, you know, my God, if those guys are coming in, especially Manchester City, who obviously are the reigning Premier League champions, were Champions League finalists last season and are currently operating at a much higher level than us, then it kind of felt a little bit worrying, a little bit concerning. But thankfully, um, according to these reports, Arsenal uh, still lead the race for Ben White. And um, it, it looks like he will join Arsenal between now and the start of the new season. Now, remember that Ben White is currently on international duty with England, uh, which is a, a huge part as to why maybe things have moved a little bit slowly. I know Arsenal were reluctant to go up in terms of their offer. They felt that their offer of uh, around about £40 million was the right offer, was a, a, a fair offer. But obviously, Brighton don't feel that way. Brighton feel that he is a key cog in their team. They understand uh, the, the sort of levels, um, you know, in terms of how much people want him. They understand that there is a Premier League premium often when we're talking about players moving between Premier League clubs. And Brighton are looking to get the absolute maximum out of out of this deal so that they can build and move forward. Because Brighton have been in a bit of a weird position over recent seasons. You know, they've they've shown sparks of playing really good and entertaining football, but they always seem to end up there or thereabouts when it comes to the relegation fight. And they'll want to move away from that. They'll want to accelerate away from that. But in order to do that, I think a sale like Ben White is probably necessary. Someone who they could bring big money in for and then reinvest that money back into the squad and allow Graham Potter to move forward and do what it is that he wants to do and, and sort of improve them in other areas. You know, Brighton defensively weren't weren't an issue uh, last season. Not as as defence wasn't as much of an issue as you'd imagine for a team in that sort of part of the table. They couldn't finish. They couldn't score goals. They would dominate games of football and they just couldn't score goals. So Brighton will see this as an opportunity perhaps to, to cash in on one of their stars, bring the money in and, um, and you know, improve in an area that they clearly need improvement in. From Arsenal's perspective, you know, the more I think about Ben White and the more I kind of you know, read reports that we are leading the race and read reports that he is Arsenal bound, the more I'm sort of positive about it and excited about it. I think he is a good player. I think he's a very uh, sort of technically gifted player, someone who's extremely comfortable on the ball and playing the ball out from the back, which is obviously key to the way that Mikel Arteta wants his team to play. My only reservation at the beginning, and it's still a bit of a reservation, is the price tag. But I guess, you know, as I was saying on a podcast a few days ago, the price tag is irrelevant unless the player flops, right? If the player comes in and performs, nobody's going to sit there and say £50 million was too much for Ben White. The price tag only becomes an issue when that player is failing to hit that level and when that player is, I guess, causing the fans um, to sort of question and doubt whether that was a smart investment or not. Um, so, yeah, you know, the price tag, we can probably sort of pass better judgment on whether that was a fair price tag or whether it was over the top after Ben White joins and after we've seen him uh, play for Arsenal uh, for a period of time and, and you know, been able to make a, a fair assessment and a fair judgment on 
that transfer. But that's the latest on Ben White. So uh, according to the reports coming out today, Arsenal um, have had a, an offer worth £50 million accepted by Brighton and Hove Albion for Ben White. Although we don't know, as I say, um, what exactly the structure is of that deal, whether it's £45 million plus £5 million in add-ons or if it's £50 million and add-ons. We're not 100% sure on that. Uh, but that's what we're hearing this afternoon. That's, of course, on Monday afternoon. This could change um, so quickly, though, you know, and as things do in the transfer market. Uh, let's say a big hello to everybody watching us live at the moment. I can see there are plenty of you in the live chat box. There's over 200 of you watching us right now across all the different platforms, and there'll be many more tuning in a little bit later on or tomorrow or whatever. Please, can I ask you guys to hit the like button on whichever platform it is that you are watching us. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, especially uh, do it there. It's really, really important. It really, really helps. And uh, if you're not subscribed to the channel, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button. If you wish to become a member going one further, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. Big hello to our people watching on Twitch as well, because uh, we've started streaming on Twitch, which is new. Um, I wasn't doing that before. Didn't know how to. Didn't even really know it was a thing. But I've been sort of receiving a few messages over the last sort of month or so from people saying we should get on Twitch. So we're on Twitch. Uh, at Chronicles AFC. So check it out and you can find us there. A couple of other bits and pieces to discuss. But before we do that, let's uh, go over to the live comments and see what you guys are saying. Uh, Jan Franco's loving the background. Thank you very much, mate. I, it looks a bit plain at the moment. We will get some stuff done, but working on the lights, working on all of this stuff uh, to sort of continue upgrading everything as we uh, as we move forward uh, with the channel. Psalm 51 says, uh, centre-half is a key position for a top four finish. Um, you know, as I said, at the start of the window, if you'd have asked me what my sort of list of priorities was, centre-back wouldn't have been there for me because I felt like surely William Saliba would have been seen by the club as at the level now, having gone out and played half a season on loan with Nice, um, you know, to, to been at a level to come in and be part of the squad. I didn't necessarily think he'd start every week, but, you know, it, that's obviously not the case. I'm not saying that Arsenal are wrong in taking that decision. I've kind of defended that decision, in fact, over the last few days, just saying that the kind of overreaction to it has been a little bit blown out of proportion. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that one way or the other. Um, Mikel Arteta, the coaching staff, the analysts, the people that have watched and assessed William Saliba over the course of last season are in a far better position to make that call than me or you or any sort of supporter uh, who doesn't have access to, to what they do in terms of the training ground, in terms of um, sort of you know, everything, right? Really, you know, it's very difficult to make that sort of judgment or to argue that that judgment is is wrong without having all the facts. Uh, Olga Chukwu says, uh, is this Ben White story true? Are we getting him? It looks that way, my friend, but a deal is still not done. We've heard today, as I say, that a fee has been agreed, that Arsenal have had an offer accepted, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we're going to agree personal terms, that everything is going to get over the line. I mentioned the interest from a number of other clubs and, you know, there could be four or five clubs that have their bid accepted. If that bid is, you know, is, um, you know, identical and it's been put on the table by Everton, for example, Manchester City, then it would be down to Arsenal and Ben White to agree personal terms. 
And Ben White could quite easily, if he was to receive an offer from somebody like Manchester City, for example, easily say, I'd rather go there. Doesn't make any difference whatsoever to Brighton. They'll still be recuperating the same transfer fee. So it's not done. I just want to make that clear. The deal bringing Ben White to the Emirates Stadium is not done. But the fact that we've supposedly, reportedly, and I have to stress that point, reportedly had an offer accepted is obviously a step in the right direction uh, towards getting this one done. Big hello to the King of Prussia watching us uh, from Pennsylvania. Hope you are well. Um, Christian says, hi, Harry, with Odegaard not returning, what is your views on views on getting an experienced creative midfielder? I think it's really important. I think that's one of our priority positions. We talk about um, the centre of midfield and I'm talking about a little bit deeper, that midfield pivot that was played last season, primarily by Xhaka and Partey. That needs work, obviously, but the attacking midfield position does too. I don't like the idea of relying solely on Emil Smith-Rowe in that department. Not because I don't think he's a good player. I think he's a fantastic young talent. And I'm one of the sort of uh, the biggest opposers to the idea of selling him to Aston Villa. But he does break down frequently. He does break down often. And more importantly than that, I don't want him to be sort of burdened with the pressure of being Arsenal's main creative force all the time. I think what was great about Emil Smith-Rowe was... Uh, last season was that he also showed that he could operate from the right, from the left. And that was only allowed to happen a lot of the time because Martin Odegaard was in and around the setup as well. And Arsenal had options. Emile Smith-Rowe is at his best when he has that bit of freedom, when he can go and drift around the park and get involved in different parts of the game. So um, I, I absolutely adore him and I think he's a fantastic player, but I think we need another option there. And I think that you know, Martin Odegaard, as we've previously discussed, was definitely Arsenal's number one choice. He was definitely the priority target. But sometimes you don't always get what you want. And we're not going to get Martin Odegaard by the looks of it because he's posted his farewell message. It appears that he is part of the plan at Real Madrid. And that is partly down to Real Madrid probably being a little bit um, cash strapped this summer. Um, you know, I, I don't think under normal circumstances, if Real Madrid were at their pomp like they have been in years gone by, they'd necessarily want to stick with Martin Odegaard. I would argue he's not necessarily done enough in his career so far, largely because he's not been given the opportunity. But nevertheless, he hasn't proven enough to suggest that Real Madrid should hang their hat on him moving forward. And Real Madrid traditionally tried to maintain and upkeep the highest standards. And Martin Odegaard feels like a player that's not quite at Real Madrid level for me. He's that level below. And that's why I thought we'd actually have a really good chance of, of bringing him in this summer. I still wouldn't rule it out completely, though, by the way, because, you know, the window will see many twists and turns between now and the end. And you could find ourselves in a situation where Real Madrid are looking at another target in another area and they can't fund it. So how do they fund it? They can't move someone on and there'll be a list of players that they'll want to move on. But remember, the interest has to be there. And they know that Arsenal are very interested in Martin Odegaard. So watch this space on that one. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. But what I'm saying is he's definitely not out of the question completely. Um, and uh, yeah, I know a lot of people uh, would disagree with that. But that's uh, that's genuinely uh, what I think about it. Um Archie Toothis Ducks. Have I said that right? Sorry if I've butchered it. it. Says, looking forward to seeing your channel grow. Hard to find quality Guna presenter with intelligence and logic. Thank you very much, mate. Really appreciate you tuning in and all your support. Uh, what else? Uh, 
I'll tell you what, we'll come back to the questions in a minute because there are um, there are lots coming through and we'll pick those up in a minute. I just want to update you guys on a couple of other bits. Big cheers to those of you joining us uh, a few minutes late as well. Let's start with uh, Reese Nelson. Now, Reese Nelson is a player that many Arsenal fans over the last sort of 12 months or so have been sort of baffled about. You know, have, have kind of we've kind of sat there and wondered why Reese Nelson, who was deemed to be this really exciting prospect and this really uh, sort of great player in the making, has not been given opportunities. And there was an interesting uh, bit of reporting from uh, Mark Mann Bryans, who's been on the show before, actually, if he works for the Press Association, fantastic journalist, excellent reporter, great guy as well. Um, and he mentioned today that Arsenal, uh, once they confirm the departures of Matteo Genduzzi, which is obviously done, uh, and William Saliba, are going to turn their attentions to finding the right loan move for Reese Nelson. Now, Reese Nelson has had hardly any opportunities under Mikel Arteta, but there is a feeling in an, inside the club that Reese Nelson's progress over the last 12 to 18 months has really stagnated, that he's not developed at the speed, at the pace uh, in which they'd hoped. And so they feel that the best thing for him is to go out and play regular football. Now, a lot of kind of clubs of Arsenal's ilk, when, and when I say that, I mean sort of the bigger clubs, get knocked when they loan players out and they loan them out again and again and again and again. And people say, well, why don't you just sell them? Why don't you just cut your losses? Why don't you just get them off the wage bill? You know, I think loan moves can work. I think loan moves can uh, get the best out of players and then loan moves can, you know, give you the opportunity to sort of not rush into a decision and maybe bide your time a little bit more so that you can make a more informed decision when it comes to deciding whether to let that player go or not. I think Reese Nelson will have been extremely frustrated with the way things had gone uh, during his time at Arsenal, uh, especially in the last sort of 12 to 18 months, because he did have that loan spell at Hoffenheim. And when he came back, you know, many Arsenal fans were excited and felt like he had what it took to sort of break into the side and play regularly. But when I've seen him given the opportunity, I've got to be completely honest. I don't think he's always grabbed it with both hands. And I can say that for a lot of the young players. And, you know, on the one hand, you're sitting there thinking, am I being harsh? because it is just, the, like I say, a handful of opportunities. But the truth is that, you know, at, at the top level, you can't afford to just give people chances. Mikel Arteta doesn't have time to wait for players to come good. He needs results. He goes into the 2021-22 season under immense pressure. And so he needs to have players at his disposal that he can trust to come in and do the job. Now, I think loaning out Reese Nelson... Um, is, is a good idea. Personally, though, if the right offer came in, I think I'd sell him because I'm not sure that Reese Nelson, and I mean this with all due respect, is ever going to be at the level where we're going to look at him and say he's better than Bukayo Saka, he's better than Nicolas Pepe, he's better than Gabriel Martinelli, and therefore he deserves a place in the team. I can't see us getting to that point with Reese Nelson. I think if it was going to happen, it, it would have already happened by now. I understand the idea of the loan. And as I say, you're just kind of kicking the can down the road and saying, well, I'll make the decision in 12 months time. But whatever that, that decision is, Reese Nelson, for his own good, for his own career, needs to be playing football because he's in danger of a, a career at the very top level sort of passing him by. And, and I don't want to see that happen to him. You know, I don't want to see that happen to any young Arsenal player. Uh, let's go back to the chat. Um see what you guys are saying. 
Daniel says he bought a ticket for the Euro 2020 final, 1,850 quid. Wow. Uh, wow. You better hope that, that England get there then. My God. Uh, talking about pressure. Uh, Gunner Deja Vu talking about the Ben White thing says daylight robbery. Um, Joris says, is that a Bud Light? It is a Bud Light. There you go. You might be wondering why I'm drinking a Bud Light at this time of the day. And I've got to be honest, I'm not. It's not because I've, I've, I'm an alcoholic. It's because, um, you know, sometimes you just fancy a really, really cold drink. I've been painting all afternoon and I was, um, you know, really craving a really cold drink. And I thought, what's the coldest thing I've got in the fridge? Bud Light. There you go. Uh, Marshall B on the Ben White stuff says, looks like good business to me. We need to continue the trend of updating our squad with young talent. Agree. Um, Nishit says, amazing that you're on Twitch. I'm on there very often. Hope to catch you live. Make sure uh, you do. Can you follow on Twitch? Do you subscribe on Twitch or let me know? I don't really know. <laughs> uh, Ryan says, uh, again, on the Ben White thing, not too bothered about the price as long as he fits the system and style we want to play. Agreed. Look, the price, we've got to get out of this mode, haven't we, as Arsenal fans of acting like accountants. I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time. The price tag is irrelevant unless he fails, as I say. Uh, Grianke says, uh, question with a fair few regulars and senior players on the way out. Is there a chance this rebuild could backfire? Yeah, of course, there's a chance for sure. Um, you know, I understand why there are a lot of Arsenal fans out there that look at what Mikel Arteta has done so far, find it quite uninspiring and feel like giving him Fifty million pound, for example, to spend on a centre back after he spent forty-five million pound on a central midfielder last season, and you know there's so many reports and rumours that he's going to be given some serious financial back in this summer. I get why so many out there are worried about that, you know, because we talk about Arsenal all the time as being this club that financially aren't in the best shape at the moment that are kind of struggling to to find our way or, or, or to play our way back into the Champions League. And often when resource is limited, you need to make up for that by having a really good, smart coach, a really shrewd and effective recruitment policy. And the recruitment policy thing, we've shown we definitely don't have that. We definitely don't have the nous in the, the transfer market that some of the other clubs have. You know, a lot of people always refer to Leicester City as an example of a side who spend their money well. Yes, they've sold and they've raised money. And that's partly why they've been able to uh, sort of bring in so many players um, sort of over that period of time. And, and fortunately for them, many of those signings have worked out. So the recruitment side of it, you know, we know that there are clubs that do that better than Arsenal right now. There's, there's no shadow of a doubt about that. There's no question about that. But then we come on to the coach thing. And I I think with the coach thing, there's, there's still a debate to be had. OK, I don't think that Mikel Arteta is a saint. I don't think that he got everything right last season and that where we ended up and how it all sort of came crashing down in the Europa League was solely his fault. But I also don't think that he um, he can escape the blame as well. You know, there were things he did that proved to be wrong. There were decisions he took uh, that that were wrong decisions. And off the, on, on that basis, you've got to say that, you know, the, the, the jury is still out on Mikel Arteta. And is Mikel Arteta 
in a position where he has absolutely categorically 100% earned the trust of the football club for them to say, here's £200 million this summer, go and spend it, go and do whatever you want. We trust you to get it right. No, um, in the eyes of the fans, he certainly hasn't. And, you know, he appears to have done so in the in the club's eyes, but we're, we're only going to be able to judge that at the end of the window. You know, it's all good, this outlet and that outlet and everybody else reporting that Arsenal have 200, 250 million pounds to spend in the summer. Let's see it then. Let's see it. Let's see Arsenal spend that money. Um, and then, you know, we'll know how much they back Mikel Arteta because it's clear that for Arsenal to get back to where they need to be, they're going to have to spend money or they're going to have to get an exceptional coach. Mikel Arteta, in my personal opinion, has shown himself to be a decent coach who is learning his trade still, but he hasn't shown himself to be a special coach yet. Um, he might do one day, but right now I don't think he's there. I think he's got plenty of development areas, as have many of the players, as have uh, some of the executives, as has everybody at the club. And so, you know, it's it's hard to get behind this sort of suggestion that he is 100% worthy of being given this massive transfer kitty at a time when Arsenal financially are not in the best state. You know, we talk about where this money's coming from and we've talked about it being borrowed essentially and the restructuring of existing debt um, has obviously helped to make some of that money available too. But, you know, as I said, as I, I've used the phrase a few times on today's show, kicking the can down the road because that money needs to be paid back at some point. And my fear, and I guess where you're coming from on this question is, what happens if that money is spent badly again? What happens if we're lumbered with all of that debt and then in the future we're unable uh, to sort of recover from that position for a much longer period of time? And I get that. There is, of course, a chance uh, that it backfires. I hope that's kind of answered your question in a long way around. Uh, big hello to everybody else in the live chat box. You know what? There's over 300 of you. Uh, watching us live right now. Where's my phone? I don't even know where I put it. How many of you have hit the like button on YouTube? Let's have a look because it is um, really, really um, important. Uh, one second. Let me find it on my phone. Here we go. Here we go. So on YouTube alone, there is 290 of you watching us. We've only got 86 likes though. Let's get that up to 100 by the time we next uh, check in. Please and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, Daruv says, uh, Harry, what are your thoughts about the Renato Sanchez rumours? I like Renato Sanchez. I think he's got ability. I think he's got potential. I, I, I do struggle to get the whole thing of his previous Premier League stint out of my mind, though. I've got to be honest. Um, but I think I spoke about it on a show a few days ago. I do think he's got the attributes to be a success in the Premier League. I just think he needs helping along the way. I think confidence is a big thing with somebody like Renato Sanchez. And I feel like since joining Lille in France and kind of, um, you know, working uh, sort of on himself again and I guess get taking himself away from the big European spotlight. And, and what I mean by that is not necessarily playing for a Bayern, a Real Madrid, a Barca, a uh, an Arsenal, uh, a Liverpool, uh, a, a City. He was kind of one of those players where when he joined Bayern, everyone was like, well, right, this is it. Renato Sanchez is the, the next big thing. And I actually think that hindered him. He's gone away. He's gone to France. He spent a couple of seasons with Lille. 
not really many people paid attention or notice outside of French football, obviously, to what Renato Sanchez was doing. But I think slowly it's kind of built his confidence back up. And I think you saw that coming through in his performances at the European Championships. So um, I quite like Renato Sanchez. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Arsenal sign him. We know that the Albert Lokonga deal is edging ever closer, but we also know that Albert Lokonga is someone being brought in with a view to the future as opposed to the here and now. Um, yes, he'll be part of the first team squad, but is he going to uh, be sort of relied upon in that midfield pivot. I'm not sure. I think that we're looking at uh, bringing in another central midfielder and I wouldn't be against the signing of Renato Sanchez. I've got to be honest. Uh, big hello to Harris who says, hey Harry, I feel that Arteta will stick with Willock and Emil Smith-Rowe for the attacking midfielder position. Too many transfers are needed. They will focus on CDM uh, centre-back and right-back positions, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not a bad shot. I j I'm still not completely sold on Willock. I've got to be honest. I hope he proves me wrong. Um, and I don't deny that Willock is a player who can have a really good impact in the opposition penalty area when he breaks from those deep positions. I think it suited him playing at a club like Newcastle, where a lot of their game was based on, on the break, on the counter-attack. Because Joe Willock has that incredible engine and that ability to cover large areas of grass and, and get there quickly. And arriving late is kind of the beauty of what he does. It's the art of what he does. It's what Frank Lampard essentially made a career out of doing, is arriving on the edge of the box. Your teammates, when they get into wide areas, knowing uh, automatically where you're going to be, what space you're going to take up, and then just sort of on autopilot, kind of picking out those areas, trusting that you will be there. And Joe Willock is always there. But at Arsenal, you face a very different challenge. More often than not, especially when teams come to the Emirates Stadium, they're going to come and sit back. They're going to come and sit deep. They're going to ask you to break them down as opposed to themselves getting beat, caught up the pitch, sort of chasing a game. And then you are able to expose the spaces in behind them. So I think it's a very different job at Arsenal. And I'm not sure Willock's overall game has uh, has enough to kind of uh, to see him do what Odegaard would do or do what Emil Smith-Rowe would do. I don't think he's at that level. And he's another one who I'm happy for him to stay. Uh, quite like the kid, think he's useful. I think he can be useful maybe as a substitute for now. But if the right money came in, like many others, I, I would take it. I really would. Uh, let's see what else we got here in terms of your... Uh, comments. There are loads coming through. Thank you. Uh, Hellman going big on the leave a damn like comment. Love it. Yes. Leave a damn like in the words um, of uh, of our good friend Hellman there. Uh, what else have we got? Lots of you talking about. <laughs> um, about. Uh, Mikel Arteta. Uh, Assassin General says, Harry, there are conflicting reports. Sky Sports News said Arsenal are about to bid for a third time and the other two bids were rejected. Please advise of your notion about the bid the bid accepted. So the, the report's been doing the rounds from uh, a number of uh, different outlets this afternoon. The report that Arsenal have had a third bid uh, accepted for Ben White. I have heard it from a source um, as you'll know, anybody who works in sort of this industry um, is has sources and I'm not able to say exactly who it is. I don't want to land anyone in trouble. But what I will say is I don't normally 
do this. I don't normally claim to have information that isn't out there and isn't being reported by other people. But I have been told uh, this afternoon that 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 bid has been accepted. Um, further details were not provided to me on, as I say, the structure of the deal. But I have been told uh, by a source uh, who works probably more closely with Brighton, if I'm honest, uh, than Arsenal, but who says that 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 has been accepted. So again, as I've sort of advised throughout the programme, please take it with caution, take it with a pinch of salt. Um, I've had sources, if you like, uh, tell me stuff that, that proved to not be right. Um, but as you will know, if you watch this and listen to this regularly, I don't often put them out. Um, but I feel, I've got a feeling about this one, so I, I kind of have. Uh, what else have we got here in terms of your comments? Um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Anorag, uh, do you think Arsenal would look at cash plus Smith Rowe for Grealish type of deal? I would love to have Jack Grealish at Arsenal, but as I said on the stream earlier today. I don't see it being realistic. I don't see Jack Grealish uh, coming in. I, I don't think Arsenal would be able to raise the funds. We heard reports this morning that Manchester City are going to announce a deal for him straight after the Euros, which kind of kills that um, that sort of story. But would I take a deal? Yeah, I mean, if the money, if the deal was right, you know, I think Jack Grealish is an upgrade on Emil Smith Rowe currently. But I do feel like. Emil Smith-Rowe is a player with incredible potential and he's not somebody I want to lose. I've got to be honest with you. I don't want to lose him. I really don't. Uh, what else have we got? Gianfranco uh, says, with so many sales, loans in the works, do you think we will have to wait until all of them are done before seeing more big signings aside from why? This is the thing, Gianfranco, right? Because I was under the impression, as I said previously, going into this window, that Arsenal had to complete sales in order to be able to go and pursue the targets that they'd identified. And I still, to a degree, you know, think that that is the case when you're talking about some of the big deals that we're looking to do. But there have been reports that suggest otherwise. There have been reports that Arsenal, as I mentioned earlier on, have restructured, restructured existing debt and have borrowed money in order to enable them to be able to act prior to completing all of their sales. And that that was the way they felt um, that was was best to go about the business. It was, you know, we kind of got in a situation last season when, um, when uh, you know, we we went into the summer knowing that we needed a lot of work in terms of the team, but we also knew that we had a lot of players that we wanted to move on. If you cast uh, your minds back, we wanted to get Ozil out. We wanted to get Mustafi out. We wanted to get Socrates out. Players who clearly didn't have a future under Mikel Arteta and we weren't able to do that and for the first half of last season we had all of those guys on the books because we couldn't shift them and that hindered us in the transfer market because we were banking on moving them on so that we could free up money on the wage bill if not just for if not sort of transfer fees for them uh, in order to be able to to manage the finances of bringing in additional players but this time around I think Arsenal have recognised that that was a problem for us last summer. You remember how late we signed Thomas Partey. That was right at the end of the transfer window. And then he had to take longer to settle in. And it just, you know, it was a mess. I think Mikel Arteta has, has probably gone to the club and, and said, we can't operate like this. If you want us to be ready for the new season, um, 
you know, we need to be operating in a way that allows us to get business done before the last week of the window. Do I think that Arsenal will still somehow drag out a lot of these deals until the very end of the window? Absolutely, for sure. Because it's, first of all, it's the Arsenal way. Second of all, everybody wants to get the best deal. And when it comes to the point where that window is closing, then people start to hurry up and people start to be a little bit more cooperative from fear of that deal disappearing. So I do think that um, that we have tried to address that situation, that situation that caused us so many issues last summer and led to us leaving everything so incredibly late. Um, so I do think that that Arsenal have, have put plans in place to try and avoid that scenario and to try and avoid that situation arising again. Whether that will be the case, though, um, remains to be seen. But I do think they've, they've realised that. Um, and they know that's a problem and they know it was a problem last time. And Mikel Arteta's experienced one summer as the Arsenal boss. Now he's moving into his second. And I think he'll be uh, he'll be sort of wiser to the way everything works. Uh, let's go back over to the live chat box. Uh, get your questions in. Let's see what you guys are saying. Uh, don't forget, this is our second live stream of the day. Uh, so if you didn't catch up with the one earlier on today, you can do so by uh, clicking on our list of videos on the YouTube channel. Or if you're a podcast listener, you can find it in the feed. It's the last episode that dropped a little bit earlier on today. Don't forget to hit that like button. In fact, while I'm waiting for you guys to get your questions in the chat, um, Put them in, put a queue at the beginning as well uh, so that I can pick them out. Uh, while I'm waiting for a few questions to come through, let me just check in where we are in terms of likes because we've got now over 400 of you watching on YouTube alone. We've got 133 likes. Let's try and get it up to 175. That should be achievable, right? Um, it, it doesn't sound like a, it's beyond the realms of possibility that we can get there. So uh, as I always say, it really, really does help the channel. If you haven't subscribed, we're on the way to 14,000 on YouTube. Uh, we've got around 8,000 of you subscribed on the audio platforms as well. So we're well over uh, 20,000 subscribers across the platforms, which is incredible. Uh, and we thank you for your support. And as I've said previously, we're going to be bringing you some more information in the next couple of weeks about how we're taking things up a level in the new season by adding new shows by adding more phone-ins by getting more of you guys involved in the conversation as well uh, not just in the chat box but actually in front of the camera as well uh, so lots and lots to come and hopefully i'll be back in the stadium soon so i'll be able to uh, bring you content from the ground like we were doing last season or the season before feels so long ago now <laughs> all right let's uh let's go back into the chat box um, what have we got here? Just going to pick a couple at random. Brada says, do you think Catalin Sirjan or Miguel Aziz will get any minutes this season? Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because, you know, and it's not just because of them. I've, I've, I've said this about a number of players at Arsenal who are kind of on the peripheries, who are trying to break through into the first team. I think they're both players that Arsenal have massive hopes for. Um, I like what I've seen of Aziz. I like what I've seen of Sirjan as well. I think they've both uh, really impressed when sort of given the opportunity and, and when sort of playing in the under-23s, et cetera, et cetera. Aziz had a couple of cameo appearances, didn't he, in the Europa League group stage last season as well, which was, was great to see. I think ordinarily I'd have said, yeah, they're going to get some game time. And I'd have said that that game time would have been in the Europa League 
problem is that Arsenal are not in Europe. For the first time in a quarter of a century, Arsenal will not play European football next season. And as I was saying um, a little bit earlier on when we were talking about Saliba, you know, you're talking about six group games in which you'd normally be able to make changes and get away with it quite comfortably. But with that not there, you find yourself in a situation where you'd probably struggle to give them games outside of like, what, the Carabao Cup? And, you know, what, what are you going to do in the Carabao Cup? You, you might have, you might go three or four rounds, you know, it's 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 really tough. Um, they're players I'd like to see breakthrough and players I think have got the talent to break through. But as we've seen, you know, it's not always just about that. Sometimes the, the moment has to be right. The circumstances have to fit. They have to work for you. You know, if you think about how Bukayo Saka came onto the scene, we needed a left back. Um, he was in and around the first team, got an opportunity in a foreign position, took that opportunity, proved himself, went forward. And then, you know, we are where we are now. Uh, but yeah, I think, in an ideal world, they do. I think Mikel Arteta likes them uh, by all accounts, but it's going to be tougher to give them those minutes, uh, I think, without the prospect of European football, for sure. Uh, big hello to Ruben Pascaran, who joins us from Toronto. He's a huge fan from Toronto. What do you think of the Neto and Zaha links? Um, when it comes to Zaha, I just I just feel like that ship has sailed. I really do. Um, I just feel like it's it's one of those where you know we've we've been linked with him for so long and i've kind of just got over it now um and plus patrick vieira is the palace manager he's going to need wilfred zaha because i'm telling you uh, i think that's going to be a really difficult job for him so uh, no i'd rather wilfred zaha stayed at, at palace and gave uh, gave patrick vieira a hand because i think as i say he's probably going to need it uh with regards to the links to neto um arsenal are reportedly uh neto's first option he's the barcelona goalkeeper 31 year old um and it looks like he is the guy that arsenal may turn to as the club's second choice goalkeeper now uh, we've been linked with a number of players, Aaron Ramsdale being one of them uh, in the goalkeeping position. But Aaron Ramsdale was going to cost Arsenal a hell of a lot of money. And if Berlino is staying put, which it looks like he probably is, uh, then, you know, is it worth spending in excess of £20 million on, on an, uh, what's essentially going to be a backup goalkeeper? I don't think so. I think Arsenal have to be smarter about this. Arsenal have to... I don't want to say penny pinch, but they have to be a little bit careful because I think there are more, you know, again, making that point without European football, that goalkeeper, whoever it may be, is also going to be limited in their game time. So can you afford to spend the big bucks in that area? Not for me. And that's why Neto is is coming up as an option again. Uh, 31-year-old Barcelona goalkeeper uh, being linked with a move to Arsenal. I wouldn't be against that, uh, especially now that Matt Ryan is seemingly on his way to Spain to sign for Real Sociedad. So yeah, might be uh, might be a decent sign in that. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box? I'm going to pick up one more, uh, I think, before uh, we go. Um, AA FIFA 2000 is uh, as copy and pasted a report from uh, Sky Sports Italia, which is Arsenal preparing a new offer to Sassuolo, 40 million euros for Manuel Locatelli. Arsenal are working hard to sign him. Yes, uh, we, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Uh, of course, 
Arsenal um, have, have, have shown an interest in Manuel Locatelli. That interest is concrete from what we're told. Uh, but the problem is Juventus. And we knew that was going to be the problem all along. Uh, Juventus are sniffing around the player. The player's preference is to, uh, is to join uh, is to join Juventus over Arsenal. But it remains to be seen whether a deal can be done between Juventus and Sassuolo. Now, Sassuolo will, you know, they've spoken about their relationship with Juventus as being very strong and very positive. But make no mistake about it. Sassuolo have to do what works for Sassuolo. And that means getting in the maximum amount of money possible for Manuel Locatelli. He's their most prized asset. He's a player for whom they can command a massive fee. And make no mistake about it, you know, 40 million euros in the kind of Premier League world doesn't feel like the be-all and end-all. But for a club like Sassuolo uh, in Serie A, that is a, a vast amount of money and an amount of money that would secure them for, for a fair amount of time, and especially given the times we've currently been through and or we're currently going through still with the pandemic. You know, it's 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 the kind of deal that I think Sassuolo would jump at. But it's one of those where we've got to be a bit patient here. We can submit bids. We can make our intentions clear. Um but it's another one that I don't think is going to move anywhere, not to Juventus or not, sorry, not in Juventus's favour, not in Arsenal's favour, until Italy's participation at Euro 2020 is done. Italy, of course, meets Spain in the semi-final um, tomorrow, uh, Tuesday. And the winner of that obviously faces England or Denmark in the final on Sunday. So, yeah, um, you know, hopefully it's true. Hopefully Arsenal have made that bid. I, I'm a massive fan of the player and I'd love to see him at Arsenal Football Club. But I do worry that Juventus might end up getting their way um, with this one. And so I'm not not getting carried away on it just yet. Right. I think we're going to leave it there. We've been going for about 45 minutes or so. Um, really, really appreciate uh, you guys is uh, you guys is support just had breaking news come through there uh, that sporting events uh, and stadiums will be able to operate at full capacity from July 19th, which is great news. Uh, so we'll be back at the Emirates for the start of next season. And I can't bloody wait. Um, and as I say, look forward to bringing you guys some content from the stadium as well. But thank you all for tuning in. It is really, really much appreciated, as I've already said. Uh, if you could hit that like button, if you haven't done it already, I know I'm going on and on about it, but it's the only way I get them. Uh, we're 30 away from 200 likes, okay? And there's over 450 of you watching us live right now. So let's hit that like button if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you want to support me to bring you more content, click on our link in the description. Check out our membership scheme. Check it out. Is it something that interests you? If it is, we'd love to have you on board. I'll catch you all very, very soon with more Arsenal and football-related content. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.